We're going to read today from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It's a familiar portion of Scripture in your, your hearing today. And I'm not really doing a Christmas series per se, but going to be doing a, uh, some loosely connected sermons around Christmas over the uh, next couple of weeks. However, on the 12th, next Sunday, we have a special guest with us. Uh, Evangelist Jesse Cornejo will be with us in service, and we're looking forward to God doing great things. And he's been with us a couple different times, and uh, the times that he has been with us, we've seen God move in tremendous ways. Uh, the first time he was with us, October of 2019, uh, six people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And then August of last year, three people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time. So I'm expecting God to do great things in that service. So this week, and then we'll take a week off, and then our Christmas service, and I'll do a, a short sermon uh, during that service. It'll be much abbreviated. Uh, and really, I mean that. I'm not just making that up. Sometimes we say that. Yeah, but I'm going to keep it short today and then we go long so uh, we will try to do that on the 19th keep it short Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 now the birth of Jesus was as follows when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit and Joseph her husband being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her planned to send her away secretly but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Today I'm going to preach for just a little bit on this thought, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. One of the childhood games that most children play at some point in their life is hide-and-seek. Has anybody ever played hide-and-seek? How many of you are really good at hide-and-seek? Anybody really good? Anybody really bad at hide-and-seek? And my daughter raises her hand. Uh, I, I, I was probably somewhere in the middle of hide-and-seek. Uh, I was not really great, not really bad. I could find people better than I could hide, it seemed like. But, you know, I was growing up, I had a pastor who, if you can imagine, a grown man playing hide-and-seek, but he would play hide-and-seek with his wife. He would, he would just disappear somewhere in the house, and she would be looking for him and trying to figure out what happened, and, and occasionally wondering if the rapture had taken place, and the pastor, her husband, had been raptured out, and, he would hide up in the attic, he would do all, and he would do this for hours. And she would get frantic with worry, and he's just having himself a good old time playing hide-and-seek. <clears throat> and, and i got to tell you, I don't know that I, I would do that at my, at my age, and, and I'm surprised that he did it at 
his age, but it's a fun game when you're a child, at least, of playing hide-and-seek. You know, when it comes to God, at times we sometimes feel like God is playing hide-and-seek with us. Anybody ever felt that way, that, that God is not there? You're looking for Him. You're trying to find Him. He's not there. That God is removed from your situation, removed from your circumstance, and you're looking, but he can't find, you can't find Him. You don't know where He is. The reality is this, though, that God is always with us. The theological term for God's presence being everywhere is omnipresent. That that means that He is everywhere present all the time, even when we can't feel Him, even when we don't experience Him. He is here. He is all around. And in fact, if you get deep into theology and and metaphysics and all kind of things that I don't know much about, understanding that time and space are in God and He's not in time or space. That because He is everywhere. He's in a dimension all by Himself. And they say the fourth dimension is time. God is far beyond that fourth dimension. And He is, he is everywhere present at all times. So what does that look like? But before I get into the, the main points of my message, understand that, that the Jews had been in a 400-year silent period. When the prophet Malachi records what God has said to him, there's 400 years from the writing of the book of Malachi until the writing or to the coming of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. It's not that God has not been present. It's not that God was not involved because He was. It's just that He wasn't speaking to them in the way that He had spoken before. There was not this ongoing interaction that God was not sending prophets. So after Malachi, there's no more prophets coming on the scene until John the Baptist. So nobody is coming and saying, Thus says the Lord, and write this down. None of that is going on. You may be familiar with Hanukkah. It's a Jewish holiday. It takes place around 160 B.C. in the Maccabean revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. And he, and he takes and he offers a pig in the, the temple of the Jews and that causes them to revolt against his government. They've been oppressed for a number of years and so they start a revolt and when they do, the, the enemies are oppressing them. And they go into the temple and they light the, the menorah. At that point, at that time, it was a seven-branch menorah. You've seen the Jewish candlesticks, one in the middle and three on each side. It's a seven-candlestick menorah. They only have, however, then enough oil for one day in, in, in the temple to, to operate the menorah. So they pour the last little bit of oil in the menorah. But it doesn't last for just one day. It lasts for nine days. Supernaturally, God multiplies the oil, which He's done before with the widow of Nain. He, uh, he multiplies the oil and it doesn't run out. And so now you see a nine-candle menorah to represent what God had, has done in there. So God was at work. He just wasn't speaking in these 400 years of silence. And so we have Hanukkah that the Jews celebrate. I would also tell you that names in the Bible often have significance. Not every name, and, and not every name has equal significance. But you see this in, in the beginning, Abram, his name is changed to Abraham, father of many, and Sarah, 
It's changed from Sarai, and it means laughter. When she laughs at God because she doesn't believe God's going to actually bring to pass this promised child, Isaac. Jacob is born. He is deceiver. His name means deceiver or supplanter because he's trying to pull his twin brother Esau back into the womb so he can get out first. Moses, he's named Moses because he's drawn out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter. Names have meaning in the Bible, oftentimes we see that. In our text, there are two names given for Jesus. One is the proper name, Jesus, that we talk about. And He's the one that we call on. He's the one whose name we baptize in. He's the one that goes to the cross for us. And we use His name, Jesus, when we refer to all of that. The other is a title. And that title is Emmanuel. And it means God with us. Both are significant. But the angel says this, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now I've already told you that God is everywhere present. He is in any place that we want to go. And that's the first thing I want to tell you about, that God is with us in every place. And the reality is this, is that we can't get away from God's presence even if we want to. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, the first thing they did was they covered themselves with fig leaves and then they tried to hide when God would come down in the cool of the day to talk with them. They were trying to get away from Him. But God, of course, knowing where they are, He asked the rhetorical question, where are you? Why are are you not where I can see you? You know that story. But they couldn't get away from his presence. They're trying to hide from him. The Bible tells us of Jonah, the prophet, who decides that he doesn't want to obey God and he wants to flee from his presence. He wants to, instead of going to Nineveh like God said, he's going to go, man, I'm going to go take a vacation to Tarsus. Gets on a boat to Tarsus and God sends a great storm. The storm causes the the people on the ship to begin to throw everything overboard. When that doesn't work, they start going through the people and trying to figure out who on this boat has made their God angry. They all believed in God. It wasn't a question of whether they believed in God. It was just which God was it for them. They finally, they cast lots and it comes to Jonah. and He said, yep, yep, I'm a follower of Yahweh and I'm supposed to be going somewhere else. But I've decided I didn't want to obey him. And these men on the ship exhibiting a lot of mercy say, well, let's see if we can survive this without kicking you off the ship. And they do their best, but they can't, they can't survive. The storm is about to break the ship, so they toss Jonah overboard. And immediately the storm ceases. And the Bible says that God had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah fleeing from God's presence and God sends a storm and he sends a great fish and ultimately Jonah repents and says, I think I'll do what you want me to do, God, instead of dying in the fish. He could not get away from God's presence. His presence is in every place. The psalmist David records in chapter 39 or Psalm 139 rather, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. 
You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. What the psalmist is saying here is that I can, I can try to run, but I can't hide. I can try to get away from his presence, but I can't get away from it. There's nowhere I can go. And when I think that I'm in darkness, it's just like the light. It's fairly dark in here. We can make it much brighter, but I can see you. But I can't see all your facial expressions. But if we turned all of the lights off in here, that would be just like the brightest light to God that He can see where we are. He knows where we are. Even the night is like light to God, the psalmist says. There is no place we can go that we will not be in His presence. Not only is God with us in every place, but He is with us in every situation. Job, perhaps the oldest of the books of the Bible, It doesn't come in canonical sequence first, but perhaps it is the oldest and the first written book of the Bible. The Bible says of Job is that he was a perfect man, upright in all his ways. And one day Satan comes before God and says, and God asks Satan, what have you been doing? I've been going to and fro. I've been looking to see what I can do out there and who I can find to pull away from you, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Satan says, oh, well, he's only serving you because you've got this hedge of protection around him. You won't let me touch him. God said, I'll let you touch him. I'll I'll let you take anything you want from him. If you're not familiar with the story, read the first few chapters of Job, and it'll kind of give you the gist of what's going on in his life. But ultimately, he loses all of his possessions. He loses all of his children. The enemies come in. They kill his children and kill his his sons-in-laws and his daughter-in-laws and wipes everything out. And then finally, Satan tells God, he said, well, if if you would let me afflict his body, he'll curse you. God says, go ahead. You just can't kill him. So Job, afflicted with boils from head to toe. If you've ever had a boil, you know the pain of that. The Bible says all over his body he has boils and he's sitting in ashes with broken pottery scraping the boils on his skin, trying to get relief from the pain. His wife says, obviously you've sinned, curse God and die. His friends come and say, obviously you've sinned, curse God and die. And in the middle of Job's despair, in the middle of his problem, he cries out to God and he says, I've looked on the left hand, I can't find you. And I've looked on the right hand, and I can't find you. And I've looked in front of me, and I can't find you. And I've looked behind me, and I can't find you. But, Lord, you know the way that I take. 
that just because I can't find you doesn't mean you're not here. But you know the weight that I take, and when you have tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Ultimately, God delivers Job from his situation, and he returns to him twofold all of his possessions and twofold the children that he had. God is with us wherever we are and in whatever situation we're going through. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I may have told you this because I love this verse. Many times when people quote Psalm 46.1, they will say an ever-present help. But the text says a very present help. What I would tell you is that it's in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, that He is very present with us. Even if we can't sense Him, even if we don't feel Him, even if we can't see Him working, we have the promise of the Scripture that He is a very present help in trouble. He is Emmanuel. So with all of this, the Old Testament telling us and assuring us that God is with us in every place and He's with us in every situation, why is it they're told He is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us? He's already with us. But He's never been God with us as a babe in a manger. And it is this passage that tells us that He is God with us as this babe in the manger. Christmas is all about remembering and celebrating the birth of Jesus. And never before in human history had God actually come as a flesh and blood human. The Bible tells us and and demonstrates for us what are called theophanies. Theophany is a physical appearance of God where he appears to be as a man, but he's not really a man. We see that happen throughout Scripture, that God will show up in various ways, but he's really hiding himself, and he's not really revealing who he is and all he is, but he comes as this babe in a manger. He comes in human flesh. The reality is that you and I can't comprehend what that means. That a God who feels all space and time can come, not just as a man, but as a baby in a manger. And the reality for most people and for the people of that day, He did not come like they were expecting Him to. If He was going to come as a baby, they would expect Him to come in a palace and They would expect Him to come with a lot of fanfare where everybody would know. But instead, He comes as a babe in a manger. A place where animals would feed. Placed in a feeding trough. But He was still God with us as the babe in a manger. He is also God with us as Savior. Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
He's Emmanuel. But he's also Jesus. I told you that names mean things. Emmanuel, it means God with us. If I could tell you this, and I may have shared this with you before, but if you see a Bible word that has E-L on the end, if it's a name, that E-L is an abbreviated form of Elohim, which is the Hebrew name for God. And so when you see that E-L at the end of a name, that name typically is going to mean God something or something about God. Emmanuel. The E-L is God. The first part of that is with us. He is God with us. Jesus has a meaning as well. In the Hebrew, it's actually Yeshua. And once again, when you see an A-H on the end of of a name in Hebrew, it is the shortened form of Yahweh, the end of that. And so what Jesus really means is Yahweh saves. That Jesus is God's salvation. That He is the one who has come to bring salvation. His name is called that because that's what He's going to come and do. And Jesus would later say in His ministry, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. The entire reason for His coming is not so that we can say, man, this is an awesome story. We can celebrate the nativity and we can can make pictures and we can have images of a babe in a manger. But He came to save His people from their sins. Jesus means Yahweh saves or Yahweh has become salvation. That is who Jesus is. That is what He has come to do and that is what He's doing today. If you're not familiar, and I'm sure you are, that he didn't come to be born and that just automatically led to salvation, but he had to live a sinless, perfect life and die as a sinless human. And he did that when he died some 33 years later on a cross, paying the penalty for my sin and for yours. A sacrifice that was sufficient to cover the sin of the whole world. If they come to Him, they can have His salvation. But not only did He die, but He was buried and then resurrected on the third day. He is God with us as Savior. Lastly, He is God with us as the Holy Spirit. As I've told you, God feels all space and time and As such, God's Spirit has been interacting with His creation. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, where it says the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. And His Spirit is not just there, but His Spirit is active, and His Spirit moves on the face of the water. And what you'll notice if you read the Old Testament carefully, when when you see the Bible referring to the Spirit of God. In almost every case, if not every case, it is an interaction with His creation. That when it just talks about God in general, it's Lord or it's God or it's Yahweh. But when it talks about God interacting with people or coming on people, it always uses the word Spirit. 
the Spirit of the Lord came. The Spirit of the Lord moved. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through the prophet. It's always about speaking, about moving, about interacting with His creation. And when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, He was interacting and moving and interacting with His humanity, the creation that He has brought about. Jesus is not here any longer in human form. He's not going to come walk through the door. I know Donnie looks like the pictures of Jesus. But Jesus is not going to come walk through the door. But he said this, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. He has promised that He would be with us through His Spirit. Through the the power of the Holy Spirit, we experience Jesus. We experience His presence. We experience His power. We sang about His Holy Spirit earlier. And when we come into relationship with Him, when we come to know Him, we come to faith in Him, we have the opportunity to be filled with Jesus. The way in which we're filled with Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. How is He interacting with His creation? It's still His Spirit. Still, what he, just like what He did in Genesis 1, when His Spirit moves on the face of the water, His Spirit moves on us. And He is the Holy Spirit today working in our lives. What I would tell you is this, is that when we can't see Him and we can't feel Him, He is still there whispering and cheering us on through every trial. And it is through difficulty, it's through trials, just like Job, when we we look for Him and we can't find Him, but we have the assurance that He is a very present help in time of trouble. The classic poem Footsteps in the sand. Many of you may be familiar with that. The poem talks about two sets of footprints walking along the sand of the the seashore. And then the person that is seeing this, that's seeing their life and seeing them and Jesus, man, they're walking side by side and They see, they come to that difficult season in their life and then there's just one set of footsteps in the sand. And their response is this. No wonder it was so difficult because God left me in the middle of my difficulty. In the middle of my struggle and my trial, He left me. God speaks back, so that's not my leaving you. The reason there's only one set of footsteps is because I was carrying you through the storm. Carrying you through the difficulty. God is with us today. If you've ever taught a child to ride a bicycle, you know that it can 
depending on the child, it can be challenging. Some, and they get it right off, others more challenging. So when I've taught my kids to ride or even helped others, frequently when they would get rid of the training wheels and trying to do it on their own, holding on to the back of the bike to keep them from falling. And holding on and pushing them if they're going up an incline. And unless they would turn around to look, they think they're doing it all by themselves. Look at me go. What I would tell you is this, that just like that, God's holding on to us. And we may be saying, man, man, look at what I can do. Look at what I can accomplish. But He's holding on to us, and He's pushing us up the hill. He's empowering us. He's helping us to accomplish. He's keeping us from falling. He is God with us today. Would you stand together? He is God with us in every situation. He is God with us in every place. He is God with us as the babe in the manger. He's God with us as Savior. He's God with us as the Holy Spirit. And while God feels all space and time and He is everywhere present, there's something unique about Him. That not everyone is filled with God. How can you be everywhere but not be in some places? Ultimately, it's about it's about His presence. It's about us responding to Him. He is definitely for everyone. But He is not in everyone. That the only way that we can have the assurance of His presence today is if we're in relationship with Him. You can name all kinds of people in human history that were evil or what have you, and God wasn't in them. God wasn't even with them. But it's when we come into relationship with Him, when we repent of our sins, when we call upon Him, when we take His name in baptism, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we can be confident that God is with us. The Bible says to seek the Lord while He may be found. God is not playing hide and seek with us today. He is there ready to be found. If you're not in the, the level of relationship you want to be with God he is there to be found. It just takes seeking Him. It takes trusting Him. It takes depending on Him. He is God with us, but He wants to be God 
in us. And when He is in us, we can have healing, we can have deliverance, peace, joy, hope, salvation, whatever it is you need, we can have that when we're in relationship with Him. Today, what I would ask you to do is this. Seek His presence. Seek His help. And trust Him at all times. This is not a real large crowd. I know some details. But even if I didn't know any details at all, I would know this. That anywhere you have people, you find people that have needs and you have people that have problems. and You have people that have things they need God to take care of. He is Emmanuel, God with us today. And as such, He wants to take care of whatever you and I have need of today. And I'm going to invite you just to step to the front today to come around the front and just lift your hands, lift your voices and just talk to the Lord today and and whatever you need, whether it's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's deliverance, whether it's relational issues, would you come? Would you ask God to be at work in your situation today? Would you do that right now? Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the power of your presence, Lord, that is at work in us. God, we thank you that we can have relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, that we can call upon you that we can put our trust, our hope in you today and you alone, Jesus. We love you. We magnify your name. We magnify your name.